You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at home and abroad. And every year, um, just off the west coast of Ireland, the Blasket Islands, a beautiful spot, famous for so many reasons. You have the Skelligs where Star Wars, the scenes appear in Star Wars. There's an iconic island that's often photographed on Far Marav, uh, the dead man or the sleeping giant. There's a range called the Three Sisters, and for Canadians, they would relate to the Three Sisters in Canmore. But one of the unique features of the Blasket Islands is every year uh, there is an opportunity for somebody to spend a season. And the season is considered from the 1st of April until the uh, 1st of October. And they're given the opportunity to actually spend the season as caretakers of the island as hosts and hostesses to the visitors that are brought out from the mainland to spend time on the island. And there's a coffee shop. And part of the joy of uh, spending the season there is you get to operate the coffee shop. And if I look at what the job application is, it says like ensuring that the coffee shop is prepped and set up and that the bathrooms are clean and guests check out at 10 a.m. So there's guests come out and once check out, you must kind of get usual stuff, get the place ready for the next batch. And then 1 p.m. the coffee shop opens and the guests check in and all those good kind of things. And you shop your coffee shop closes at 5 p.m. But that's not the end of the day because you're there 24-7. If uh, you are out there during the season, your ability to get time off is dependent on the weather. And that's not if it's good weather. You get time off when it's bad weather. That's because <laughs> nobody's coming out. <laughs> and uh, if if uh, you are out there doing your stint as the caretaker, during the bad weather, that is when you get time to reflect, mindfulness, appreciate the um, solitude and wonders of West Kerry. So <laughs> all that being said, where we go from there? Well, there's a Canadian on there at the moment, and he's a caretaker, and he has his uh, Dutch partner with him. And not only is it a Canadian, but it's a Canadian who is a hockey player, so he would have um, experienced of this side of the world and the various parts of, of North American life and seen, I suppose, what many would describe as a high life. And he's also the co-founder of a business, uh, which is a, um, a clothing-type business, and he's only 29 years of age. We're still not finished with the story because this is the third time that he made it an attempt to get the job as the pay caretaker. And there's over 100,000 applicants. So I <laughs> that's, a, that's a good lead-up, I hope, because now I'm about to introduce you to Brock Montgomery from Moose Jaw. And Claire the has we are going to have a chat with them. Rock and Claire, welcome. Yeah, thank you. thank you. Thanks for having us. So I give a little bit a little bit of a description there. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. first of all, a bit about yourselves. Brock, uh, growing up in Moose Jaw hockey, um you spent ten years at was it ten years playing hockey? Yeah, yeah, I grew up in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan. Little small uh, prairie city there, and yeah, like uh, like most Canadian kids, I took up hockey and uh, went in opposite direction than my father. He was a curler, but uh, I went and played hockey. I moved away when I was young 
at 16, I moved over to uh, Cranbrook and started playing the Western League. And then, um, yeah, I kind of, I kind of got my traveling, uh, spirit kind of going. And then ever since then, I've been kind of traveling. I played over in uh, America for six years. And then I came over and played over in, uh, in Germany. So I, I lived in the Netherlands, but I played in Germany. And that's where I met Claire as well. She's from the Netherlands. And, nice. um, yeah. And so I played, played two years over there and then, uh, yeah, recently, uh, retired and I've been traveling ever since. Okay. Um, Claire de Haas, the Netherlands. Uh, a bit about you. What, uh, what's your background? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I wasn't a athlete before, but I have been playing field hockey for 12 years. And um, I've been studying in Amsterdam for four years, international business management. And um, yeah, during my last year, I met Brock during a party in the south of the Netherlands. And yeah, I, I graduated and then uh, we started traveling together. Actually, we went uh, to multiple places in the world, actually. So, so when... Did you become aware of the, of uh, the baskets? <laughs> well, we were sitting on a little uh, island in in uh, Malaysia. It's called Tioman Island, and actually, I guess Claire has a better description. She's the one that kind of came across it and brought it to my attention. Yeah, so we were uh, yeah in Malaysia, and um, we were sitting on this island, and I was actually scrolling through Facebook, and I saw this advertisement uh, pop up about the baskets and like a job opportunity. So I immediately was enthusiastic, but um, I saw the amount of comments and applications and I thought, yeah, that's never going to work. But something in me said, no, just show it to Brock, you know? So I showed it to him and he uh, immediately, immediately said, like, where can we apply? So the next day we uh, sent our motivation letter together with a video. And that's where it all started. That was January 2020. Um, I should have probably warned you about this then, but do you have the motivation letter close by? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. <laughs> no. No. Because no. I, w- I would love, actually, if you were to read out the motivation letter. Yeah. 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 No, I don't, I don't think we have it, and I don't even know where I'd find it. Maybe in an email, but. Yeah. But, yeah, we're both just enthusiastic. We, we both just love traveling. We. You know, it's kind of, I mean, when we also applied, we were just about to go to um, a little island in Indonesia to do some volunteer work at a school uh, on an island called Sumba. And it's it, it itself is like a very secluded, isolated island. And so that was already like they could see our motivation there. Like we like that type of adventure and lifestyle and we're always chasing the next kind of. Yeah, the next adventure and same thing. Even even though we're here, we're also still looking at kind of what's what's next as well. Now you mentioned the South Pacific and you mentioned exotic places, and I know there'd be a major weather difference between there and where you are now. It's like the weather difference between Florida and Moose Jaw. There's um, not quite <laughs> not not quite enticing if you're sitting on the beach in thirty degrees to kind of say, oh, let's go somewhere where it rains. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I suppose I suppose that just speaks to our uh, level of uh, adventure. We <laughs> we were able to, we were willing to give up the nice sunny area for come over to rainy Ireland for for the experience and just to, yeah the adventure and to um kind of indulge ourselves in a new culture. So guys, then when you put in the application the first year, 
did you need to reapply in year two and year three or was was there a rollover? No, we we actually stayed in contact with them over the years. Okay. So just to keep it warm with them. Um, and there was an, uh, they chose an Irish couple two years ago because of COVID. It was uh-huh. the start of COVID and last year as well. And um, yeah, this year we were actually in Portugal for three months during the winter. And um, yeah, we got a message from them and we were still interested. So now COVID was becoming a bit better. And yes, yeah, so we were able to travel here. So then yeah. we were able to make it work. Excellent. Okay. So now you've arrived in Ireland and uh, the terms and conditions are you get shipped out to the Blaskets and you're dropped there and you're left there. <laughs> you're not coming back. <laughs> <laughs> so what was your initial impression? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, actually, first, it was nice because we were able to see a little bit of uh, Ireland before the boat actually wasn't 100% ready by the time we were supposed to come out. So we were actually able to do a little traveling around. We got to hang out in Dublin for four or five days, and then we got to kind of travel around the Dingle and the Killarney National Park area. Yeah. And that itself was really beautiful, and I was not expecting that. But then, yeah, once we got over onto the island, it was yeah, it, pictures don't do it justice. It's so much more beautiful than you could really imagine. And just, yeah, the ruggedness, but the beauty. And every day it seems like the island looks different and the surroundings look different just based on the weather and the sun and the light. And so, yeah, it's awesome. And I feel like, yeah, it's going to be pretty hard to get uh, sick of. I think we'll be, yeah. be asking to stay when time comes to leave. Very different from Moose Jaw and very different from the Netherlands. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> a little a little bit different, yeah. <laughs> okay. So the season has only just got underway. Uh first of April is the official start of the season depending on the weather. So you're kinda coming towards the end of the first month. Uh how has the first three weeks been and what kind of passenger traffic have you seen come out? Yeah, it's been um it, it hasn't been super busy just due to due due to weather. It's really weather dependent. Um, it's just that time of year where it kind of can be hit or miss and it's been pretty windy. So it's been a little bit slower for um, kind of day visitors to the island, but we've already had um, quite, quite yeah, some check-ins yeah, already. Quite some check-ins and it's good for us to kind of get, get in the rhythm of, you know, learning how the rollover works with the cottages and everything like that. So, and uh, May starts to become a little busier and then yeah. June, July and August are booming and then September mm-hmm. is a bit slower again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you had any Canadians yet? Um, no, we have one no. American. Yeah, no, no, no Canadians yet. Just one American so far. I know okay. we got a few Canadians, a few Canadians booked out to come in the summer. We've already seen that. <laughs> well, hopefully, we, hopefully we can encourage some more. Yeah, to, yeah, to exactly. come and have a look. So, um, when it comes then to the um, whole aspect of culture and life at, in West Kerry, because even at the little bit of time you may have had in Ireland, there's a great variation between small geographic areas when it comes to the culture and the language even and the accent. Um, like the accent in West Kerry is very different than the accent you would have heard in Dublin. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and- we haven't been able to, you know, we noticed that those differences just from Dublin and uh, Kerry, but we haven't been able to see that enough of Ireland to really see the, the huge differences, but yeah. definitely we're able to see the differences from, from uh, Dublin and Kerry for sure. 
Right. So then evening time, when the season is in swing, uh, you close at 5.30 in the coffee shop. Or there. Are you guys responsible then to encourage any nighttime entertainment? Or uh, is there you – no, know, It's people are out there and they are to cut uh, cut the cord. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think most people are, like you said, most people are out here to kind of cut the cord and be on their own their own schedule and be out here to not speak to anyone. Probably, okay. <laughs> I think is it seems like most most yeah. people's um, uh, intentions. And there's people coming here as well. Like we heard quite a bit now, people like shutting off their phones or not even bringing their phones to just be completely like yeah. isolated and. But we like to speak with the guests and everything. So if there are, if if people want to chat or whatever, and it's a nice evening, we'll definitely sit outside and uh, and chat with them. Yeah. How many cottages are there, and and what is the um, capacity? So at, if you were in full flight, what might you have on board there? Yeah. So we have um, we have, there's four cottages, and I mean. Like this, this past Easter weekend, we actually had 14 guests staying. So we had two big groups of six and then a group of two. And so it can be like, it can get pretty full. Uh, there's four cottages and they both sleep, I think anywhere from six to eight sort of thing. So, I mean, if, if there were to be, you know, those huge group bookings at the same time, it could be pretty busy. But for the most part, it seems like looking ahead at the schedule, we'll have anywhere from two to 10 people kind of at a, at a given time. And, and uh, Yes. Yeah, so then, do do people come out? Do they bring their own um, provisions? So, like a bit like going to the cottage here in Canada. If you're heading up to the cottage, you bring your cooler and you load up all your food and all that kind of stuff. Is it that concept, or are they coming out hoping that they're going to eat at the coffee shop and that they're really switching off and hoping that they can no cooking or anything, or is it a mix? No, it's kind of just like, um, how would you call it? Glamping sort of like they have the cottages, but they have to bring all their food and all their essentials. We just provide, you know, the, the, the basics like oil and, and, uh, salt and pepper and stuff like that. But they have to bring all their own food and, and everything. And then, and they're, they're on their own. They have <laughs> their own stove, all cottages. And- yeah. They have their own. We, I provide like coal and stuff in the morning, make sure their fire is ready and, and all that stuff. And and this year the cafe is actually pretty limited. Uh, it won't be open to all uh, island guests. It's only open for uh, essentially guests that are staying, and as well as the boat tours from the people that own this. Just mm-hmm. due to the just due to the facilities, uh, like pre-COVID, it was kind of open, and they just everyone was just in the cafe, which is essentially the caretakers' homes. Um, so they have to change the facilities and remake some bathrooms outside. So until that's up and running, they're, they're not going to have it open for everybody just to, they have to change a few things. And then given that it's an island uh, out off West Curry, basically the, the essentials in life that we've come used to is electricity, water, toilets, and internet. Um, everything is available in the cottages or are they, again, is the card cut? Uh, so, yeah, again, the, it's basic. They have they have just a wood burning stove, and then they have um, they have pro, they have a propane um, um, yeah they have a wood burn or a, a coal burning stove to stay warm, and then a propane uh, stove to cook on. And then they do have water. Um, it's just off a of spring up in the hill here. Yeah. 
and uh, there's no they, there's no Wi-Fi or anything like that. But I mean, we're calling you from the island right now, so there is cell service right. to get out here. But yeah. if they want to charge their phones, again, it's limited. We have a little bit of power just from a windmill here, but if everyone wants to charge their phones, then it'll it'll be dead. So, <laughs> so very much like a hunting cottage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like yeah. They, <clears throat> Canadians will have no problem understanding that that, that level yeah. of, of <laughs> comfort, creature comfort that's not there. Uh, yeah, but yeah. <clears throat> so uh, now again that you're out there, the three weeks that you are, you're not regretting your decision in any way. No, not at all. Not at all. No, it's beautiful. Yeah, it'll be a, a definite. Uh, Definitely a good stop along our our journey here. There's a there's definitely a reason that we're supposed to be here for sure. Now I know that when it comes to certain pastimes, hobbies, and things like that, you know it says that um, whoever you're with, things have to work out. Like if you go sailing as a couple, uh, you know, and you're in a sailboat as a couple, mm-hmm. space is pretty tight and living is pretty intense. So you guys, while you may not be in the confines of a sailboat, you're in a pretty intense situation. Does that present challenges to you or have you kind of at this stage in your relationship been able to develop um, space while together? Yeah, we've been able to develop pretty good space while we're together, just <clears throat> especially just off of our previous experiences. Um, we traveled around in a camper van in Canada for a couple of years um, working kind of different jobs and stuff as well. So again, we're super limited in space there. Um, and then when we were, uh, then we also lived in a tiny house in Canada for, for a winter, which was like literally just one room. So really small. Yeah. Really yeah. small. This is bigger. Yeah. This where, place here is much bigger. Where, where did you live in the tiny house? Uh, just on the North shore of Nelson. BC. Okay. Yeah. 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 So right. we were in the Kootenays. We were in the Kootenays there. Uh, hunkered down for a winter during COVID, and then uh, yeah, and then, and then we've been traveling around, and yeah. so we're kind of always together, sort of thing. But so, like, the, just to give an example, like of what you said about space, like for example, today we went for a two-hour hike, but Brock just had his headphones in, listening to his uh, ebook or how do you call yeah, it, um, ebook, yeah. e-book. Yeah. and I was just walking by myself. So we like we still go for a hike together, but we also do our own thing. So we really give each other space i think that's something we really learned during the past four years yeah and in that context then as well would you say that you have got to know yourselves better aside from each other better we'll come back to but would you say you've got to know yourselves better yeah yeah and i think traveling traveling in itself has really helped me like my personally in any way evolve to uh, get to know myself better um and yeah, the last winter and, and yeah, just the way we've been living, just for sure being able to get to know ourselves better, especially even just being on this island, I think will really help, help learn some lessons as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think we really have our own lessons to learn wherever we are, but also here on the island. I already do. So that's really good. And then consequently you get to know each other better, but you also have to learn in getting to know each other for your tolerance of each other to grow. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, we have to learn uh yeah, when to give each other space and when yeah. when <laughs> when to back away and you know, not yeah, I think to, we're not to know, know each other. Pretty okay with that. <laughs> yeah. 
I can still get on her nerves sometimes yeah. though. But <laughs> so are you able, are you keeping in touch with your families and how are they at, um, enjoying hearing from you in these circumstances? Yeah, we've both been um, giving our families a call regularly to stay in touch and let them know we're still alive. <laughs> and, right. and they think it's, I mean, speaking for my, my family, they, my dad thinks it's really cool too. He loves Ireland and loves this culture. So he likes to hear about it. And same with the rest of my family as well. I think it's pretty cool. No, that's yeah. impressive. Sorry, go on, go on. Uh, yeah, Terry. I know. I said my family as well. They fully support yeah. what we're doing. And I think they're, uh, yeah, I think it's uh, fun. I think to see that I met someone who is like, how has the same mindset as me? Right. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned there, uh, Brock, that your dad loves everything Irish. Has there ever been or is there any history, Irish connection or anything in the family that would have kind of nurtured this interest? <laughs> yeah, actually, we were speaking on a talk show here in <clears throat> with Sunday with Miriam in uh, Ireland here, and I shared a fun Irish fact. It was... It was um, so there's 5 million people that live in Ireland, but throughout the world, they say that there can be roughly 70 to 80 million that claim yep. Irish heritage. Yep. And so, yeah, technically I'm one of them. My great, great grandfather was Irish. So, okay. Okay. So there's a little bit of a connection there, I suppose, but yeah, he, he yeah. likes the culture. He likes the landscape and likes the people. And, and for myself, actually, they remind me of like the Irish remind me a lot of uh, the Maritimes. Well, yeah, the Maritimes and particularly Newfoundland. Um, yeah, yeah, yes, exactly. very, very much so. Uh, but as you say, like when it comes to Canada and Ireland, uh, I think it's over seven million Canadians claim Irish heritage. Uh, right. So, yeah. yeah. So there are th- theoretically more Irish in Canada than there are <laughs> than there <laughs> yeah. are in Ireland. In Ireland, yeah. That's, that's right. So um, then I know you were on Miriam at the weekend. So has it aroused or curiosity in Ireland that a Canadian and someone from the Netherlands wanted to come and spend time on the Blaskets? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like we've been in like several talk shows already and like newspapers and even like some Dutch company reached out and another Canadian company. So yeah. They think it's, yeah, it's it's people like the story that um, especially they were they, they they were willing to open it up to other cultures to come and do it. It's a uh, that's pretty cool. Pretty open minded by them as well. And yeah, it, a lot of people like the story and like to hear what our our um, thoughts are on on the country and the island and and everything like that. So it's just a, it's just a different story than what it's usually been. Before we wrap up, I'm going to come back to the weather because I, I know you're. Um, work depends on the weather and your time off depends on the weather but if the weather is such that there are no trips coming out to the island it means that it's pretty inclement so your time off is very much probably being confined probably to the house Uh, (laughs) so does does that bother you in any way that instead of <laughs> that you're literally going to be imprisoned by the weather? Maybe. <laughs> well, actually, contrary to what people would think, that's not just a hundred percent true. We had a good example of that today. It was actually a beautiful sunny day today, but the boats couldn't sail because uh, the swell was so big. Right. So even though it kind of looks beautiful out, 
it, the swell is huge. Like the, going into the, 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 the harbors, the yeah. boats actually can't go in and out. So yeah, mostly it's going to be rainy, cold, windy days, but we got lucky with one today. So <laughs> we'll take it. And I think is it from Dune Queen that they, they sail in and out from that little harbor with the, uh, <clears throat> the windy road. That's yeah, that's one of them. They also come from Dingle and Ventry as well. Yeah. Okay, yeah, all beautiful spots, all beautiful yeah. spots. They are indeed. And Brock, you're the co-founder of a clothing company. Do you want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, for sure. Uh, my brother and I started a company called uh, Mountain Life Apparel. We started that back in 2017. Uh, it was kind of it was more or less just a little bit of a hobby, but something uh, my brother and I always knew we wanted to start a company together. And, uh, yeah, we took our passion for the outdoors and, and the mountains and, and we started chipping away at something and we came up with uh, Mountain Life Apparel. And it's a ca- uh, casual clothing company and we, uh, help raise money for Nature Conservancy Canada. And, uh, yeah, you can find, you can check that out online. It's www.mountainlifeapparel.com. And, uh, yeah, let me know, so, let me know what you think. <laughs> so what kind of clothing I, I get, like, is it just the apparel or do you get into footwear? Are you getting into gloves, uh, headgear? Are, in uh, other right. words, are you talking head to toe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, in casual wear, head to toe. Yeah, we have we have uh, beanies, like we have toques and uh, hats and and hoodies and sweaters, um, and with some socks and and mugs and stuff like that. Right. It's just casual. It's just casual wear right now. But you know, every year we're trying to evolve. And in the future, shoes and stuff will, will be nice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, where are you retailing? Are you retailing online or do you have any distribution? Yeah, uh, so the majority of our sales are online, but we also actually we sell out of uh, the hotel in Lake Louise. Yeah. Uh, we sell out of a store in Mount Mercantile in Canmore, uh, yeah. a, store, a store in Airdrie, and a store in uh, Okotoks. Well, Brock and Claire, it has been a great pleasure meeting you guys. It has been fun chatting with you. Um, I'd be interested in reconnecting with you come towards uh, maybe either the end of September or even after when you come back at uh, where you are at the beginning of October and getting a retrospective and certainly getting a retrospective on how you connected with or how some of the Canadians reacted, particularly when they came out and spent time with you guys. Yeah, for sure. That'd be great. Thanks for the thanks for the chat. We appreciate it. Thanks a million, guys. You are listening to Irish Radio Candidate Home and Abroad, and we have been chatting with Brock Montgomery and Claire DeHaas, who are the caretakers on the Blasket Islands for the season, which was the 1st of April to the end of September. And as we said at the beginning, Brock is Canadian from Moose Jaw. Thanks, guys.